Welcome to Once and Future Authors, Changing Lives One Book at a Time. I'm Stephanie Larkin, an author, independent publisher, and book coach. And each week we will be discussing processes and strategies to get your book finished and published and meet authors and publishing experts to tap into their experiences and expertise. There is one book out there that can change your life, and that is the book you write. So welcome aboard. This podcast is produced by Red Penguin Books, an independent publishing company working with authors of all genres. Whether you have a manuscript all ready to go, a book still stuck in your head, or perhaps even hundreds of handwritten sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, visit redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Once and Future Authors podcast. I'm Stephanie, and I am so excited today to be joined by not just author Debbie DeLuise, but award-winning author Debbie DeLuise. Uh, it seems like every time I turn around, she's winning something, but uh, that comes with being so prolific. Uh, she was just the silver medal winner, Reader's Favorite at the International Book Awards. And this was her, her book, Seascope, which is just an amazing book. If you've not read Seascope yet, you definitely want to grab that up. So, Debbie, I'm so excited and congratulations on the award. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Stephanie. It's a pleasure to be here again. And thank you for your compliments about my award. Oh, my gosh. I was, well, the, the Muse medallion that you won from the the Cat Writers Association. I thought I thought that couldn't be topped, but this looks quite quite good. In metal this year, I I'm on a roll. I guess it's like the Olympics, and Debbie keeps winning. <laughs> I think it's fabulous, and and I'm so excited about our chat today because uh, I had asked you on because well because every time I turn around, you release a new book, but you wanted to discuss. Um, some, some writing techniques, too, that I think are so helpful for other people um, regarding point of view and timeline. And so your books and, and all sorts of things, thank you for joining us. You're very welcome, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. Such a thrill, such a thrill. So the writing is going well. I, I have to ask the question, um, are you writing more or less now that we're in lockdown? Well... I'm not really in lockdown right now. I know we're still in lockdown, but I'm working. You went back. Yes, uh, as a librarian, you were back. Um, when we were in lockdown, when I wasn't working, I was not writing a lot, to yeah. tell you the truth. I spent my time organizing my writing. But oh. I was writing. I was organizing my files, you know, getting ideas, but not actually writing. Uh, since I've been back at work, I've been writing a lot. <laughs> <So> I'm <laughs> writing more now. That's the answer. I'm writing more. Okay, I think that that's fabulous. And, and everybody's different. Some people, uh, they're best when they're busy. And I'm sure you're very busy right now. So. Find that you're more in a schedule. You're on your routine. You're in a routine. You're absolutely right. When you're, when you're not in that routine, sometimes it all kind of goes to hell in a handbasket. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, welcome and congratulations on the awards and the new books that are coming out and all sorts of things. Thank you very much. So we were going to chat a little bit about point of view today, which I know you use beautifully in your books and all different ways. So lead us in. Okay. Well, today there are different points of view. A point of view means that 
it's the way the story is told. Now, who, um, who is narrating the story? Uh, who is eyes you see out of when you read the story, basically? What happens in the story? Uh, who's experiencing it? And how they're experiencing it? Uh, the main two points of view are first person, which is, you know, I walk down the street. So it's the character. There's a character in the book. There's an illustration here by Reedsy that's very good that explains it. Um, it does create more intimacy between the reader and the character because the character is experiencing everything and the reader is experiencing it through the character. And I'm going to read an example actually from two of my books that use first person. Uh, the first one is Memory Makers, which um, came out right before my new one, which came out, uh, this came out in the summer. I think it came out in July or yes. Anyway, um, in Memory Makers, uh, the storyline is that we have um, Lauren Phelps is the main character, and she had a traumatic experience as a child. She was kidnapped with her sister when they were very young, and she escaped, but her sister was killed. Now, as this is, you know, 25 years later, she uh, volunteers for an experiment of a new memory drug. It's a clinical trial. Uh, what she's hoping is that she will remember what happened. She wants to identify the man who killed her sister and, you know, seek justice for what happened to them. So the book starts this way. And you can tell, the way you can tell which point of view you're using is just by starting the book. And um, this is chapter one. I'm just going to read just a few lines from it for first person. I leaned back, closed my eyes against the blaring light of the jail cell-sized room and tried to answer Dr. Murray's question about that summer day 25 years ago. Concentrating on the images that flickered in my mind, I saw my five-year-old sister and me in a sandbox a faceless man entering our backyard. So as you see, this is an example of first person because Lauren is saying, you know, I was in a sandbox with my sister. So you're seeing everything through her eyes. You don't know what the sister was thinking. You don't know what anyone else was thinking. The man who came and got, you don't know anything. You just know what she saw, what she knew at the time. So uh, I have another book that also uses first person. And I'll come back to memory makers because I also use third person in it and I'll explain how that technique can be used because there are do's and don'ts for doing that switching of point of view. And I'll oh, I'm sure there are, because I'm sure there are people who do it accidentally without realizing they switched. Then, then it can be a problem, yes. <laughs> uh, my other book, Seascope, the award winner, <laughs> I use first person. Also, and I also changed the third person, but let me read uh, the beginning to show you the first person. And in this book, and I will also be talking about timeline, this book also changes timeline. So in the chapter one, we start on Long Island in the present day. I was planning to leave even before I received my aunt's letter. The silence between Derek and I had grown too loud, 
too heavy. This invitation to visit my childhood home came at the perfect time. So as you see again, um, she's telling the story. The main character, Sarah Collins, is telling the story about how she received a letter from her aunt. And, you know, it came at a time when she was having difficulties in her marriage. So we get her view of what's going on. Okay, so, so we're reading and we see someone is using the word I mm -hmm. a lot. I did this, I did that. It's first person. So if now we'll go to third person and explain a little bit of that. And I have some books to also uh, illustrate that. Uh, so um, do you have the graphic for third person? I do. I'm pulling it up right now. Thank you. Here we go. So third person limited means that it only reveals that one character in the story sees, thinks, and feels. It's not too different, actually, from first person. The difference is that in first person, the, the person, it was the narrator of the story is the character. Okay. They're doing. In third person, there's a narrator, but telling the story through the character. So it, you would say, he did, she did, she went, he went. That type of he, she. There's no I. It's usually he, she. So if it says I, it's first person. And if it says he, she, it's third person. Exactly. Terrific. Let me give you an example because um, should I go back to, uh, no, Memory Makers, I'm sorry. Memory Makers was first person only. That okay. was always I. Uh, and then her flashbacks were also in first person, but we'll talk about timeline in a moment sure which slide do you have next i think i was going to go back to was i going to do c scope again you could do c scope again i'm all ready for you so i read a little bit of the beginning of c scope which was um first person now third person we start to now let me go back to explain the the timeline and also the changing of the point of view okay so what you're not supposed to do is change point of view like from line to line or from paragraph to paragraph it would be very confusing to say you know i went to the store and she came home i mean it would be very confusing yes. uh the best way to do it the way i do it, and i think most authors do it would be to change it from chap a chapter so you can have a chapter with another character their point of view all right so we started out with Sarah's point of view in C-Scope at the beginning of the book. Now, I don't do this until I change. Wait, now this is timeline. I'm sorry. I do. No, I do it in chapter three. Her aunt. Now, she's going to visit her aunt. Her aunt has invited her. It's been 25 years. Well, she may have been in touch with her aunt, but she didn't act. She hasn't been home to see her aunt in right. South Carolina for 25 years. So let me just read how you can see the change of view for her aunt. So we're telling it now through the aunt's point of view, but in third person, not first person. Gotcha. So this is how I did it. Okay. Now we're now it says C-scope two weeks later. So she received the letter at the beginning on Long Island, but this is two weeks after the letter was sent. Julie Brewster had just finished a phone call with her niece Sarah. She was pleased the young woman was coming and wasn't surprised she was bringing along a friend instead of her husband. 
But Julie didn't like too many strangers at Cecil. It reminded her of what happened nearly 20 years ago when that college boy Michael was found dead by the lighthouse and her brother moved his family away. So that's showing that you can uh, understand, the reader sees the thoughts, they're reading the thoughts of Julie, who's the other character, who's not, you know, it's not Sarah, it's Julie. Right, right. How Julie feels about things and what she's doing. And then I'm going to show, now this is, this is the interesting part, I think, of Cecil. Because it's 20 years, Julie's, um, Sarah's going back. When she was at Cisco, she was a child. So what I did was, even though the most of the book is told in first person, Sarah's telling the story of what happens when she goes back, we also go back in time. And this is where the timeline comes in. This is 20 years ago. So this chapter is Sarah as a child, but it's not in first person. It's in third person. All my past parts of the book are done in third person. Even if they change point of view, the timeline is, uh, the timeline, whoever's in that point of view is in third person. Gotcha. Okay. But about the rest of the book, Sarah's telling the story in first person when she's an adult. Right. So here's Cisco, I'll just read a little of this. Sure. I was excited. Today was the 4th of July. And she and Glenn would be allowed to stay up late and attend the fireworks display by the lighthouse, along with Wendy, Ms. Wilson's daughter. Even better, Russell, Mr. Donovan's son, would be joining them. So that just shows you it's, it's told in the, it's still told by Sarah, but it's in the past when she was a child. And it's in third person. It's not saying, I because it's in the past, it's already happened, and I decided to use third person there. So that's that's the example from Cisco. Could I ask a question? Sure, of course. Should we ever have more than one first person person in a book? Do you know what I'm saying? Um, oh, like Sarah spoke in Sarah's voice, and she said I, and she spoke as herself. Should somebody else ever speak as themselves, like two different characters in first person, or is that difficult? I assume that you can do that. I don't think I've ever done that because okay. I, I prefer to use the main character. If I use first person, it's books I'm going to illustrate now, books that are only third person. Gotcha. I prefer to use, um, I actually, mo more of my books, I think, are in third person, most of my stories. Right. I don't use first person that often. I the only book that I used it totally was Memory Maker. It's the only book. Um, I'm going to show you two books that I wrote third person only. However, okay. they do change timeline. So okay. do okay. Terrific. Would we'll go to Cloudy Rainbow. Fantastic this book is very different from all of my books. <laughs> and it's funny. It's the first book that I ever published. Wow. And I wrote this book after my cat Floppy passed away. And I did put him as a character in the book, uh, not as a talking cat or anything like that, but he was featured in a subplot. Um, the book um, is a paranormal romance, so it's the only romance I ever wrote. I mean, I, I've written, actually I have a novella that's a romance, but I mostly write mystery. But there's a supernatural element to Cloudy Rainbow. 
because the girl, the main character, Dulcie Mills, is a computer programmer, and she has a friend who really can't stay with any jobs. She just, she can't do it. She, she flirts with, flirts from one thing to the other. However, she gets a position uh, working for a strange woman. She's an artist. So some of the artists, all the creative people are a little odd sometimes. But the artist is a psychic. Oh. And she foresees when she, when, when um, Dulcie's friend starts work, Valerie starts working for the artist, she foresees that Valerie's friend Dulcie is going to come into danger, but also find romance. Now, but Dulcie's backstory, which is shown in the book, is that her fiance was killed in a car crash that they were involved in. So that's the backstory. I'm not going to give the whole story away, but I'm going to read the first, a little bit from the first chapter that's told in third person. Okay, terrific. Dulcie glanced to her left at the gray and white cat sitting next to her keyboard. Floppy, her 15-year-old male short hair, purred as she paused in her typing to pat his head. Okay, so I'm not going to read too much more, but in this book, there's also a virtual world, and there's a technology mixed with the um, clairvoyance, uh, the prophecy that she foretells. So it's a little bit of science, and you know, she's a computer programmer, and yet there's a little bit of the supernatural. So um, now you've got to read it, Stephanie. Have you read? I, I've never read Cloudy Rainbow. I read the the first two that you had up here. I uh, see Open Memory Makers, but never Cloudy Rainbow. Cloudy Rainbow has has been reprinted. When I first published it, I self published it through a self publisher. I didn't do it myself. Right, right. Because it was my very first book. But then later, when I now that I have two publishers, one of the publishers had reprinted it. And the same one who does my Cobble Cove series and Solstice Publishing. And um, it was on the 10th anniversary. So that first book was written in 2007 and they reprinted, I think 2017 or two. But um, so the story starts in 2000, which was when my cat passed away. Um, so let me read you um, the next, the part. Now, another interesting part about this is a different technique I use that I've never repeated. <laughs> in this book, for some reason, I have four parts, and each part is told by a character. Well, not told by, I'm sorry. Each part has the character's name. Okay. One of the, there are four characters, and there are four parts, all right? So, like, the second part says Frank. That's the title of the second part, and it goes back in time. We started in 2007, the book. It goes back to 1992. Now, this is Frank Fall of 1992. Now, let me explain. Even though Frank is the main character in the story, Dulcie is still telling it through third person. What's happening is it's a backstory. She's going back to the time when she was in college. And that's when she met Frank, the man who later dies in the car crash, and who, well, I won't give that away too, because there's something else that happened. But um there's also a part with her friend Valerie, the girl who, the psychic, how they met. And that's in 99, which is another part. But the interesting thing is the final part of the book is forward in time. So even though I started in 2007, 
I go to 92, I go to 99, and then I go to 2008. So wow. it's after the beginning. So that's a different technique altogether. And all of these techniques, I've sort of picked up by my own reading. So that's where I've gotten them. So anyway, let me just read part two, Frank, a fall of 1992. And this scene takes place when she was in college. And I took a lot of it from my own experience when I was in college and I was features editor on the student paper. Of course, all the characters are fictionalized. It's all, but I feature my school. So it was Thursday afternoon, the last week of September, 1992. The regular staff meeting of the editors of the Pioneer, the student newspaper of the CW Post campus at Long Island University was taking place. Dulcie jotted notes on her yellow legal pad as the group led by editor-in-chief Brian Berkeley discussed the forthcoming issue. So there again, we have third person, you know, and, and this book, as I said, is told all in third person. Right, right. However, it does go, oh, it goes back in time. Forward, right, and forward, and so it's wow. In- I'm definitely going to have to read Cloudy Rainbow. <laughs> put it on your to-be-read list. I will put it on my to-be-read list. Oh. <laughs> I've been very, very busy with the, um, the, uh, the cobblestone lately, because oh. you've really seen those. <laughs> it's been revised. I mean, it never died. Don't get me wrong. It never died. But I wrote four books. The last one was two years ago. And I usually try to write a book a year, a book, two books a year. I try. But I wrote short. I was involved in a lot of things. So I wrote some short ebook stories that are, you know, they're available. Yes. Um, they're, they're short stories, but they've made into ebooks. And they followed the fourth, which was Love on the Rock. But now the fifth is out, yes. which actually follows the fourth, but also follows the two short stories. So the fifth is No Gravestone Unturned. And and this one, which I really enjoyed, I'll tell you, some of my books, I enjoy writing a lot. I enjoy writing all of them, don't get me wrong. I I wouldn't put something out that I myself didn't like. Right. (laughs) I have favorites, just like you have kids, you have favorites, you can't help it. So I really like this book because I use a lot of new techniques. And I, I really say that this book is very similar to C-Scope in some respects. In the way I enjoyed writing C-Scope, I had some backstory, went back in time. You'll, you'd have to understand. If you read it, you'll see. If you, you've okay. read C-Scope, read this. Anyway, this story is told again in, uh, with this was, um, sorry, this is all third person again. Okay. okay. So it starts off now, there is a prologue. I'm not going to read that. That's a little, that comes later in the story. But we start five days early. So there is a prologue, but this scene starts five days before the prologue, which is actually the murder. So I don't want to give that away. (laughs) So now Alicia, the main character of the series, the librarian, who is now director, I should, maybe I shouldn't have given that away, but people haven't read the fourth book but she's now director of the library, all right? Uh, and she has, uh, she takes care of Sneaky, who's the library cat, but he comes to her house uh, when the library's closed. She doesn't like to leave him there alone. So she has two children. Now her children are getting older. Now in each book, I've aged them a little bit because you know they started as babies and you can't keep them that age. They have to age. So they're now in kindergarten. They're now five years old. Because actually the book 
it's funny. I look back and the first one uh, was started five years ago. So oh. it's actually, they're five years old. I mean, it, it's kind of, you don't have to do it exactly like that, but it's Good for you for remembering to age the children. <laughs> and I age the parents too, believe me. <laughs> don't age the parents. <laughs> so I do age the parents. And I age this father's 85, so I do age them. Oh, good for you. You got to do that. <laughs> um, five days early. Hold still a minute, Carol, Alicia said to her five-year-old daughter. She held a tape measure in her hand, trying to take measurements for the Halloween costume she was sewing. Sneaky, who was spending more time at her house and less at the library, was swatting at the tape as she moved it back and forth across Carol's body. So I just read a little bit because just to show you that it is third person. Yep. And um, in this scene, it's, you know, through her eyes. Now, it's third person told by Alicia, basically. Um, and it is a Halloween story. And I'm just letting you know that um, there is there's a ghost, like a legend in the book. Ah. And, um, but then we explain, well, you got to read the book. Well, you got to read the book. I agree. You got to read the book. Now, this book does go back in time um, to, because of the legend. I mean, because of the mystery. Okay. So, and I also change point of view. Let me see what I... There are people, humans, and there are cats. I have three cats in the book. Now these cats, and I actually put the dedication to my own three cats because I, I'm telling you, I have used their characteristics to do this. In other words, there's one scene where I have the cat, oh, I'm sorry, I'm falling off my pillow here. Excuse me. Uh-oh, I'm falling. I'm gonna be a little lower now. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> they toppled to the floor. Um, one of the cats, um, is Kitty Kai. Well, there's two, it's funny, there's two males and there's a female, just like I have. I have my, um, you know, my Hermione, my Harry, and my Sneaky, and my, I'm sorry, Stripey. Stripey, not Sneaky, Stripey. Yeah, Sneaky is Siamese, which I had Olive, but he passed away. Uh, but he's still the main character, Sneaky the Siamese library cat. Right. But in this book, he's joined not only by Kitty Kai, who was introduced in the fourth book of the series, yes. and also in the two stories that follow it, because now she's a gal pal, and she's the one that helps him solve mysteries along with the humans, but the humans don't know that the cats are doing this. The cats, their thoughts are now visible. Uh, this is a big change in the book. At the very beginning, the cat was just a cat. All the cat ever did was find clues. They would scratch the box. They would do something to alert Alicia that something was off. But now the cats are actually part of the story that you can see their thoughts. You can see what's going on. Hmm. They're experiencing the story along with the human character. Now, the way I did this was I put their thoughts in italics. The thoughts are usually put into italics, but so you know that it's, you know, it's the cats if they're in italics. They're not, they're not speaking. People are not hearing them, but they're hearing each other. They're speaking to one another. And there's a third cat. The third cat is a guest because what happens in the story is John's, you know, John is Alicia's husband for people who don't know the series. John's aunt has died and she lives in Florida. She lived in Florida. She was in a nursing home. She was in Florida. 
her children come up. They're John's cousins. They come up to Cobble Cove, in, which is upstate New York, but it's a fictional town. They come up for the funeral because the, they send the body up. The mother, they lived for a time in Cobble Cove. And that's, with, that's how um, this, now what happens is the, the, there are three children. There's Suzanne and her two brothers. Now, Suzanne is the one who has the cat. She has Salem, the black cat, because the way I decided to put him in the series is I was looking for a cover. I wanted a cat in a cemetery, and the only ones I could find were black cats, and believe it or not, I decided to put a cat in, and I really like how it turned out, because he's the inn cat, and of course, when he first gets there, Ki Kitty Kai lives at the inn, so she's a little angry at him being there. Then we have Sneaky, who when he finds out that there's another male in his territory, he's not too happy. But they all become friends and they help with the murder. But let me read, um, I read the, the part with Alicia. Um, this is a scene where uh, the cats are interacting. Okay. After Alicia and her kids went inside, Kitty Kai said, you stay where you are, Salem. I see what you did trying to charm that boy, but I know you're up to something. What do you have against me, Kitty Kai? It's not me. It's, wait, it's not my fault my humans brought me with them. I would have rather stayed home and enjoyed the peace. My lady, uh, I'm, I'm the only cat there, so I'd have the place to myself. My lady spoiled me. I'm so sick of her coddling. The guy isn't too fond of me. I know I wouldn't have had a home at all if it was up to him. And there's more to that scene, but I'm not going to really go. But it just shows you how they're interacting. Yes. And do play a role with the murder. And I'm going to now go, now as far as the timeline is concerned. Yes. Um, we go back to different times, um, and they are, there's reasons for going back. Then there's 1928 is the earliest that we go. Oh, wow, 1928. But this is a family secret that has gone down generations. And it starts in 1928 with, the, when the body is found in the cemetery, it's the caretaker's son who's murdered. It's lying near the grave of Kurt McKinney, who is John's grandfather. His father is Mac, who's a main character in the book. So it's John's grandfather's grave, all right? Now, it goes back to when, 1928, when Kurt McKinney was a young man, and he, he, he actually owned the inn. And this is interesting because, as we know, Alicia's friend Gilly and her husband, the sheriff, now live at the inn with, it, with her three boys when she moved from Long Island to Cobble Cove. So now this goes back to a history of the inn. So oh. this is something that was addressed. I had to go back to my previous books. There were things that were addressed. Now, so we go back to the scene in 1928. It happens in chapter 12. I also have uh, in the book, uh, two other years, uh, wait, I have 1964 and I have 1978. And then I do things like five days ago, eight days ago, uh, and so on. Now, so, when you do things like that, when you're going to 1964, five days ago, well, put that in the chapter heading. Okay. Here, chapter 12, December 1928. And then you okay. know more. And then again, it's told in third person, but it's not told by Alicia. Remember, Alicia wasn't alive in 1928. Oh, you're right. This is told by one of the characters, and it happens to be 
uh, the wife, uh, not the wife, I'm sorry, the girl who worked at the inn for Kurt and his wife Lydia. Her name is Rosalie. And she plays a very important part, but I'm not ruining the book. So okay. I don't want to give spoilers. Nope, nope, no spoilers. December 1928. Her legs ache. She'd been on her feet working all day at the inn and then was asked to stay to help at the Christmas party that Mr. McKinney and his wife were hosting for the guests and a few of their friends. A six-foot decorated Christmas tree graced the tree stood lit in the entryway while a red and green garland graced the stairway. People stood chatting. A few were swaying to the music provided by jazz tunes playing from a Victrola. So that it gives you a little bit of the scene and what happens there. And there's a reason why she's the character telling it what's happening to her. Right, right. Okay. So uh, you try to set the time. I had to do a little research, you know, uh, you, as you read this scene to what they, and, and then we put bootlegging into it and other things that happened in the 20s. But it's, it's just that one scene, and then we might go back to it later on, but it's just that one chapter. Right. So that's basically what I did with the timelines. And okay. 64, there's another character with that, that time telling the story. But yeah. I think it's confusing because like I said, I labeled the chapter and it all goes into the story. It all, there's reasons for the chapters, backstory. Absolutely. It's up to the mystery. And then I have the explanation where, you know, what happens, you know, as, I, as it goes on. And it goes back to what happened in the past is affecting what happened, why the murder, what happened, who, who killed, who, why they were killed, you know, and who, who killed them. So that's basic, and why, and the reason. A couple of things I'm hearing that are so, so important. Um, starting back with point of view, you can choose to have, let's say your whole story in first person or third person, or you can change, but if you're going to change from first person to third person, make sure you're not changing every other line, but maybe one whole chapter being in first person and one in third person, is that right? Yes, that's correct. It, it would be very confusing to change like in the middle, you know, in the middle of a chapter. It's, it's better to have like a, a whole chapter to doing that absolutely and then when you were talking about timeline it was a really good idea to make sure that you label where we are so that your reader can make know that if you're back forward wherever you might be but i loved one thing you said because this kind of combines these two techniques you went backwards in the timeline but then you were sure to to make sure that the person who was narrating, the third person, was someone who was alive. And that was a very big problem. And I, and I caught you saying that, that your narrator, shall we say, had been this one person, but if you're gonna go back to 1922, they were not around. And I'm so glad you said that, because I'm sure a lot of people would think, oh, you know what? I need a flashback here. I wanna fill in some history, but never even think who should be supplying that history? That was so insightful that you said that. Thank you. I'm glad. Now I had to check, believe me, when you write something like this, you have to make sure you've got the ages right, you've got the years right. Mm -hmm. You've got to know how old was the grandfather at the time? When did he die? See, all these 
how did he die? You don't have to include all the little details, but it has to, you know, you have to have, it's, for your own sake, it's good to keep all these notes and timelines. You don't have to show them in the book. And I did have an idea about putting a, a, a family tree like in the book, but I'm thinking, because this is like a family history. But I'm thinking it's easy enough to follow. I'll see what the feedback is from readers. So I did have a very nice review from somebody for that new book. It's just been released for the new, the no, no gravestone intern. But I'm so glad you mentioned that about making sure for yourself as the author that you keep right. those timelines and that you know the backstory, even if that story is not going to make it into the book. Mm -hmm. Even if you have no intention of discussing, you know, how the grandfather died, you as the author should know. Well, the thing is, I, I used to be a big pantser. And when I started, and believe it or not, even with when Cloudy Rainbow, that was all done, you know, I just wrote it. I just, things came up. And like I said, I've added murders. I added some things in my other book. But starting with, um, actually starting with after the last Cobble Code, starting with, um, well, Sneaky's Christmas Mystery, which I won the Muse Award for, actually, that short story, that ebook, you know, I um, started with um, the characters, you know, you could read their thoughts. I saw that made that change. But I also started the, uh, well, actually, I started with the book after that, uh, Sneaky's Summer Mystery. That one I started plotting ahead of time. And I did that this no grave song turn was, but you know what? I deviated from the plot, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You know, cause you know what you want to have. It gives you an outline, but you can fill it in. You can change things, but at least you have it. And I did have to go back. Like I had all these, a lot of characters with the cousins, their spouses were in the book. And I had to like have, you know, the char you know their characters with, they looked like and their ages and and I went back to when they were children. I went back to when they were at the inn and and all of this stuff. So this was very complicated to write. It was very some of the books, you know, aren't as complicated, but when you change timelines, it does get a little complicated. So some people want to if you just want to go the easiest route to go is either all first person, all third person, or and with no timelines. But I think timelines add interest. I think people like the type of story where they're going back in time and it leads up to what happened now. It's um, like, especially with family mysteries. I mean, it's like family secrets. Yes. You know, and I have family secrets in Cisco. Oh, that's, that's full of secrets. Absolutely. Be on a panel for Boucheron, which is coming up this Saturday. I'm on a mystery panel talking about secrets. And I was so happy when they assigned this to me because my, the no gravestone unturned, it has so many secrets. I can't even begin. There's hidden rooms. I can't even go into this. There's, oh, <laughs> uh, I can't, there are so many secrets, but uh, I don't give them away. I'm just saying it, it's full of secrets. Well, but I love that. that. When you have secrets in a mystery, it's a good idea to have the backstory, you know, the, how this, how did this happen? Why was this a secret? Or who started the secret? I mean, there's all of this stuff to, you want the reader, to, you don't want to reveal it all at once. That's why you put the, the, the past in a little bit, and then you put the current in a little bit, and somehow they meet up. And that's how you grab the reader, I think. That's how I'm grabbed when I read these type of books. 
Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much. I have no doubt that uh, writers out there are saying, oh, I never thought about that. I could try that. And, and the other thing I really appreciate it, I just want to kind of call attention to is, you know, certainly there are writers who are plotters and panthers and people who are kind of in between. But I would say you're absolutely right. Even if you are a pantser, if you're going to be playing with timeline, you might want to take some notes to make sure that everybody is the right age and that we know what was going on in different places. You can fly by the seat of your pants, but then in, in edits, make sure you at least clean that up. Right. Exactly. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much. Wow. This was informative. My head is spinning. <laughs> the cloudy rainbow on your list. I am putting cloudy rainbow on my list. And, and no unturned too. Absolutely. And, and since we, since tis the season, I do want to call attention to your Halloween mystery, which is right here since it is the season, but yes, uh, make sure you catch Debbie with, um, cloudy rainbow, which I have not read yet. So that's definitely on my list. And I am a huge, huge fan of Seascope, evidently, uh, the award-winning Seascope now. So I'm not the only fan. And uh, a big fan of Memory Makers as well. So make sure that you catch Debbie and all of her books and read firsthand about the point of view and about timeline. Debbie, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us for Once and Future Authors. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews help other interested listeners to find the show, so your review could launch new books every day. Thanks again for joining us, and happy writing!